Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we're going to be taking a look at the 2019 romantic road flick tragic tragic tragedy i think uh queen and slim that came out last year we're also going to take a look at inception the christopher nolan film that is currently in its 10th anniversary and has returned to theaters with a prologue to tenet the new film <laughs> That's right. uh one of us saw it it was andy <laughs> and i'm really mad that i didn't get to see it uh but we'll talk about that more when we get to inception at the end of our show so you got to stick around we're going to talk about the tenant prologue i got questions for andy i want to know what it's about i want to i want to know what happens but he's probably not going to tell me so that'll be good uh the dc fandom happened over the weekend and we have all kinds of news and trailers for that in the middle of our show of our death of cinema segment before we get to everything we need to talk about the news first things first Andy, what's what's the first story? Just cue me up. I'm trying to, I'm trying to tangle. I'm trying to juggle all this stuff. Olivia Wilde uh, tapped to direct untitled female-centered Marvel movie at Sony. Yes. Um, so, so this this is a, a a big move, or kind of what's been happening in Marvel. Of they've been trying to get more female-helmed pictures and also focus on uh, female superheroes. And we don't know exactly what this is, but rumor has it is that this is going to be Spider-Woman, which I don't know anything about. Um, it's not Spider-Gwen or, or the, one of the other, I guess, more familiar ones, but uh, that's, wh- that's what we know so far. Yeah, uh, this came out over really, really early last week when I was still kind of uh, aggregating news for the episode before we got to DC fandom stuff. Um, so this one probably might have slipped under your radar, but it's interesting. Uh, Olivia Wilde most recently directed Booksmart, uh, which Andy watched just a couple of weeks ago, which is a really smart comedy, right, Andy? That's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, no pun I intended. Booksmart is actually really clever. I'm um, gonna buy that movie, a physical copy. Really? Is it? Is it an A24 film? It is. Mm, okay. I think. Throw it. Throw it on the. Add it to the pile. The collection. Uh, so this is exciting because she's actually like pretty good according to her last film uh working at sony it seems obvious that it's probably going to be something in the spider-man universe because this is not directly a marvel picture it is something that's happening through their license and they own spider-man film rights so that's the reason people are speculating we don't know for sure but even still it's exciting and it's weird to think out of this many marvel films we haven't had a female director right or am i wrong on that no i i don't i don't think this is the the first female director but it's you know marvel was known for doing a lot of firsts they did the avengers they brought us a lot of comic book heroes to the screen for the first time one of the things they weren't the first to though was to have a female centered film uh dc actually beat them to that with wonder woman Mm. and marvel's actually marvel's been playing catch up ever since but they're doing a good job and they're turning it around and they're focusing on more um female centric projects and both in front of the camera and behind and that's really important that there's representation on both sides of the camera yeah it's worth mentioning that if this film uh, ever does come around uh, it'll probably be a ways away currently olivia wilde is working on a christmas film uh universal that uh she's producing with a couple of people who are in collaboration with this movie so keep an eye out for that probably i mean i'd say this year but who knows that's probably going to be a 2021 production right yeah yeah that's right it's going to be a ways off i mean production is pushed for everyone yeah so uh, keep it here on Offscript for more, I guess. We'll keep you posted on what's going on with the uh, untitled Olivia Wilde Sony Marvel movie that might be Spider-Woman, but we're not sure. Speaking of comic books, uh, Ben Affleck will return as Batman in The Flash. Oh, my God. I don't even think this was DC fandom news. It might have been. No, this, is I, right, this was right before yeah, it happened. So Ben Affleck's coming back. Kind of, right? 
briefly, briefly. So in the Flash movie, which we have yet to really see <laughs> anything of, but it's coming at some point. Uh, they're going to be doing uh, the Flashpoint saga, which deals with kind of alternate realities and alternate versions of some of these superheroes. And one of those is go- going to be Ben Affleck's Batman. He's going to be coming back for one more uh, swing at the cowl. And to remind everyone, this is also going to involve Michael Keaton's Batman. So we, we, there will be multiple Batman in in this film. Um, and I think that that's pretty exciting. What do you think, Zach? I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, this says here that he's, quote, a very substantial part of the emotional impact of the movie, which I think is cool, right? In, in, in the Justice League, as we have it, as we've seen it, um, uh, the Flash and Batman have a bit of a relationship, right? Uh, they they kind of get along. He Batman finds Ezra Miller and, and kind of brings him into the Justice League proper. So it's going to be a little weird. I assume it will be a bit of a farewell. Right. Similar to like Michael Keaton's Batman, a bit of a, a passing of the torch to ideally Possibly. the Flash or whatever is going on in Robert Pattinson's Batman, because we got all kinds of Batman nowadays. Um, but I'm excited about it. I, I think just like having Michael Keaton in there, I think there's a lot of potential for this to be like really compelling and interesting Um yeah, you know, cinema. Well, it shows that they're introducing this concept of multiverses and multiple, you know, superheroes, which they do all the time in comic books. This is very, very common, but we haven't really seen go to the screen. And I, I do need to mention something that I think is going to be really exciting. So kind of what, what happens in the Flashpoint uh, saga, or at least one of the exciting points, is that in the, uh, you know, in the famous crime alley where Batman's parents die in this version it's Bruce Wayne, young Bruce Wayne, who dies, and his parents, his father becomes Batman, and his mother actually goes crazy and becomes the Joker. So that's like this huge twist. Yeah, it's, what? Oh it's my rad. God. So now I don't wow. know if that I don't know if that's what they're doing for the movie, but we could see that. On I I did not know um, the details of that storyline. That's interesting. Uh, well, that would be um, that would be something else. But that's getting a little bit in the weeds. Man, yeah, I had a train of thought and I totally lost it. Um, I think what's probably, I should probably just move on to the next story. Either way, it's going to be interesting to see Batfleck come back one more time. Um, I'm excited about it. I'm really, I'm really excited about this Flash movie. There's a lot of potential for reset. There's also a ton of potential for like clumsy, nonsensical nightmare mess. So we'll just have to see, I guess. We'll just have to see what happens. Well, and then, story, yeah. and, well, I was going to say, and somehow Ezra Miller, or, you know, his Flash character started in kind of the older of this DC universe, which was much darker and also kind of a mess. And it's going to come out at a t- point where DC is actually kind of getting their act together. So it's going to be interesting to see what we get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it really will. And it's worth mentioning Marvel has played with multiverses a little bit before in Endgame and Infinity War. There's a little bit of that and Doctor Strange, mostly in uh, uh, Enter the Spider-Verse, right? With right. Miles Morales. That's the most multiverse thing they've got going on. So DC has a lot of potential to actually tell a compelling narrative within that and like make it interesting and weave things together. I guess Deadpool has kind of done that. I I don't know, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Keep it here on off script for more. Our last story, um, maybe my favorite of this, this week, Uh, AMC's reopened theaters sold out almost everywhere claims CEO. And I think this is going to be some kind of auto playing video. There it goes. Andy, you (laughs) mind explaining this for folks? 
Uh, yes. Yeah, so AMC recently opened their doors after four to five months of being closed because of the quarantine. They only opened a hundred theaters um, in, in in big markets: Atlanta, Chicago, Dallas, Miami. And to to kind of celebrate this reopening, they had fifteen cent tickets to commemorate the price of what it was in nineteen twenty. Um, and their CEO has said allegedly that these theaters were full or at their allowed capacity, which is probably about fifty percent. Mm-hmm. There's some. There's definitely some big claims in here. Um, one, there weren't that many theaters open, um, so the availability was limited. Two, people haven't been able to go to the movies in five months and are itching to get out. Three, tickets for 15 cents, which is a steal, obviously, and a great incentive to get people back. And four, theaters were only 30% open. So when you say we sold out, well, sure. Like, you sold out of your limited capacity seating. That doesn't mean you sold out... I mean, that's like me saying uh, I sold out at my apartment, you know? Right. Yeah. That's like saying I ran out of gas and I only used half a tank. Like it's not quite, or a third of the tank really in this case, it's not quite the same. He also claimed, uh, our, our, our theater floors are so clean. You could eat off them. He literally said that you could eat, eat off the floors of our theaters. They've never been this clean, which is frightening for what AMC is. Uh, what do you think of this big claim, Andy? Uh, like I said, it's easy to twist the numbers, and w- we know the capacity is is very limited. Uh, number one, uh, we know the ticket prices are very low, but that's that was very limited. Like I think on the twenty first, so I think that was maybe only a day or two that the tickets were that cheap. Because after that, it was back to five dollars for the classics, and when the when new movies come out, uh, they're going to be regular, you know, ten twelve dollars. Yeah, uh, just like they're starting to do at Cinemark, right? Um, I we went and saw Inception, uh, and it was still five bucks. But that's probably the last five dollar th- movie I'll see there. I think everything else is going to be full price uh, going forward. Right, at least stuff that's not retro screenings. Um, on the one hand, I'm excited for AMC. I mean, they they need the bump. Definitely, they've been in some dire financial straits. If the reports are worth listening to, uh, so I'm glad they got something to brag about. On the other hand. Um, it seems a little like you're counting your chickens, you know, before before hatching time. So, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, good for them, I guess. And hopefully this means people can start going back to the theater safely, which is what's most important, not just going to see the movies. Uh, I say that being a movie podcast that just goes to the movies. So, we need to talk about our first film of the episode. We will get to the DC Fandom stuff after our first review. I promise it's coming. I just realized I never actually pivoted through these wonderful banners I made. The movie is Queen and Slim. Field execute a turn signal back there. I'm going to ask you to step out of the vehicle for me. Could you please hurry up? What did you say? It's just cold. Get out of there! Keep your hands where I can see Why is he under arrest? Get back what in is the your badge number? Chill, just chill! I'm reaching for my cell phone! Now let's go. Cop killers! Cop So Queen and Slim is, like I said at the top, a romantic uh, road film, um, essentially tragedy. Which is a bummer to say, but let me explain why. Uh, The film opens with a young couple, uh, you can see it in the trailer that's playing on screen if you're watching on Facebook, uh, that are out on their first date. They get pulled over uh, for a routine traffic stop, and things go horribly, nightmarishly wrong. Our young couple is black, of course, uh, and the cop who pulls them over is white, so you can imagine how that might go. And suddenly, before they know it, they are on the run and need to get out of town very fast and can't go anywhere for help and there is a nationwide manhunt searching for these two 
two young 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 pedestrians who have made a terrible mistake uh it's an interesting movie because it has an awful lot to say about race in america where we are politically uh, how we're divided along uh, amongst lines of color um it's 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 a really strong film this came out at the end of last year and and we didn't see it but i remember seeing trailers and thinking i really wanted to check it out i don't think it got considered for oscars or anything yeah it got overlooked i think Oh, so it was supposed to be? Oh, that's a shame. I was hoping it got it would get pushed to this year or something. You know how they have that weird release window. Yeah. Um. So I I don't know if it hasn't been considered. It it I hope it gets revisited because that would be a shame. Um. It's a really powerful film. The movie stars Daniel Kaluuya and I forget the name of our uh, Jodie Jody... Turner Smith. Yep. That's this is right. her first big role. She's done some other things since. Uh. It is a tremendous movie, and I'm really excited to talk about it. Andy, what did you think of Queen and Slim? I really enjoy this movie. I really love this movie. It it's so passionate. It's very emotional. It it covers lots of topics. It is, you know, very clearly a, about race, but it it's about so much more. It 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 has uh, themes about family and legacy and our our two protagonists. You know, they're thrown into this situation. They're thrown into this situation not liking each other. They're they're on this kind of reluctant date that's going terribly <laughs> at, at at the start and they slowly you know, get to know each other and and they're very different. Uh, and we can talk more about the, their characters uh, in a minute, but they're, they're not really super compatible in, in the beginning when we first meet them, but it, it's, you know, it's a love story. It's about them coming together, bonding through this, the situation and them being uh, on the run. Yeah. It's, it's a very simple setup. Uh, I timed it. You, you, our characters are on the run within 12 minutes of the film's opening. It's very fast, and it is a two-hour and 12-minute film, which works out because you have two more hours for them to hit the road and figure out just what the hell their plan is. It's It's got elements of, uh, like, classic road films uh, with people kind of discovering themselves as they travel across America. It has elements of horror, um, which are fantastically put together. The film is, is really, really well-directed. It's directed by a woman named Melina Matsukas, who's previously directed a few episodes of HBO's Insecure and some Beyonce and Rihanna music videos, amongst others. She's tremendous. Um, there, there's a lot that really works in this movie, and I'm really bummed that we not only didn't watch it sooner, but haven't had the chance to talk about it until now because it's it's, it's really good. Uh, so what's the best... I guess the best place to jump into this, since I'm the one who's supposed to be leading this thing. <laughs> um, let's talk about our plot. Right. Um, to, to be a, b- a bit more frank than I was in our open, uh, our 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 young couple uh, gets pulled over and through a series of unfortunate events, they end up pulled out of the car. And once a firearm is pulled by our officer in self-defense, uh, Slim, our man, grabs the gun and shoots the officer dead. And now you have body cam footage of an officer who's been shot and killed by by two black people who, who immediately take off because uh, Queen. Uh, as she's named in the film, uh, is an attorney, and she explains that hey, nobody is going to believe us. No, even if even with the the camera footage, if there is camera footage, because they're not sure, nobody will believe that we were innocent here. Like you're a black guy who just shot a white cop in America. That's not going to work. It's set in 2019. Set in a very racially charged America. Why not? Um, and and they take off, and they have no idea where they're going. Uh, one of them says, hey, I got an uncle over in uh, Georgia who might be able to help us out, and they drive out that way, and they hope they can figure it out. And and throughout that, they, they end up getting haircuts, they change their clothes, and they're trying to hide in plain sight, dodge the cops, and hopefully get to Florida so they can figure out some kind of escape plan from the United States. It's a stressful movie. And there's definitely a lot of times of... of, of 
kind of re- relaxation and downtime and, and, and even peace, but um, those come at a cost, which are explained in other scenes where these characters aren't aren't around, where kind of the repercussions of their actions are spreading out amongst the community. It, it's, it's really fascinating. So, Andy, almost a two and a half hour film. What do you think? Did it keep your attention? Were you bored? I mean, I mean, I, I was into it the, the whole time. It, it, it is just a hair too long. I feel like it could shave five or 10 minutes, but not, not a lot. But it's yeah. like you said, there's so much tension. Like every scene is really engaging. And there's every time they have to stop because, you know, they have to think, do things like eat and stop for gas and like, you know, buying money to yeah, because they don't have exactly. any. Like, yeah, right. And every time they get in, they have to do any of these things. There's so much tension and danger and, and it, you feel it in every scene. So you're kind of tense the the whole movie, but, but in a good way, because it, it's just, it engages you the whole time. You know, we talk about like when half the time when we watch these Netflix movies, you end up being on your phone half the time because you can't really grab your attention. But uh, I was into this uh, the the whole time. Yeah. Uh, it, and this, you know, and like you said, this came out, I mean, this came out in like in fall 2019, November, December. And I mean, all these issues are stubbing. We've had an incredible summer of, of protests, um, the, the Black Lives Matter protests and others. And I mean, we've, we're still having these kinds of incidents happen even this week. Um, so it's, it's very topical. It's, it's very relevant and it's, it's a lot of, it's hard to watch because you know, they, our characters know that the system is against them, you know, no matter how in, innocent they, they were. And, and I mean, technically, uh, you know, Queen is, is innocent in, in this whole thing. Like she did, she didn't shoot anyone. She, <laughs> You know, yeah, but, but, it, but it, but it kind of does, doesn't matter. And they, and they both know, know that. Yeah. Um, the movie, like I said, is juxtaposed with kind of like the actions of these characters and what has happened in the wider community versus like what they're doing. Our two characters are, are just fleeing blindly from where they've been and where they've come from and where the shooting happened and just trying to figure out what the hell they're going to do. For the most part, they're in the car. They don't really have a whole lot going on, but outside of that, when they stop, they find out, Oh, hey, you're on YouTube. Uh, somebody posted the video and it's got a million hits and now it's trending and, and, and your face is in the, in the newspaper. And, and now there's protests going on because the cop you shot actually shot a black guy who was innocent like two years ago and he was totally crooked and you did the right thing. And suddenly you get a community who's coming together and saying, hey, we need to protect these two people who are innocent versus a community who says, hey, they are bad and we need to stop them. And you have this whole kind of war going on completely outside of the car. You barely ever really see. And it's really fascinating because our two characters have to not only deal with the stress of fleeing this horrible crime, but also like becoming these icons that they never, never wanted to be and never intended to be. Um, it's really fascinating how, yeah, they, how that kind of happens. Yeah, they become, like you said, uh, the icon or the face of, of a movement. Um, you know, there, there's a there's a big protest scene, and that that were there. You know, their incident is what's kind of fueled this this whole thing. And and again, people see them, and, and you know, they they change disguises and they change clothes, and but people still, it seems like everyone recognizes them where they're they're at. But you know, most people say, hey, we know you did, you know we know what you did was in self-defense. You did the right thing. We're, we're here to, to help you. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's an incredible situation to be in and, but not everyone is supportive of that. You know, some people are, are looking to turn them in. Some people are kind of middle of the road. Some people are on, on their side. So it's a real interesting dynamic you get. 
Yeah, and it, it creates this really compelling idea of community um, versus like justice, right? And and doing the right thing, what you believe is the right thing versus like objectively, you know, what what you should be doing. Um, it's it's really fascinating, and like I said, so much of that happens outside of the car. Like so much of this is happening inside of our characters' heads, and so much is happening off screen that we're not seeing. But you still get whenever they have to stop to fix the car or meet up with their uncle. Like you get these great moments of of like reflection where they have to sit and stop for a minute and they're not on the run and they have to go, what are we doing? What are, what are the impact of this? Do we have any control over it? And what's most interesting is that ultimately they don't. And they seem to kind of come to understand that not only can they not control their current situation, they can't control what's happening. So the two of them really get a chance to bond in, in, in this feeling of like kind of letting go and becoming something larger than yourselves. Um, and that's where you get these great performances, which is where we should start talking about Daniel Kaluuya and Jody Turner-Smith, the two people who are in the car, Queen and Slim. Andy, what do you think? So <laughs> I, I love the dynamic between these two because they're so mismatched initially. Like uh, Slim is, he's religious. Like he, at the beginning of their meal, he prays and uh, Queen is not. And she, you, she kind of like, you know, rolls her eyes at him and uh, you know she's very she's highly educated she's a lawyer she's um very kind of direct and and abrupt uh, and they're just kind of uh, opposites in in a lot of ways but it it um eventually they find common ground through through this trauma through this this tragedy but uh, the performances are are really incredible and especially like they don't get along through a lot of the movie they are like arguing and fighting in the car <laughs> through rose like like the trailer shows them like falling in in love which does happen but there's also a whole lot of disagreeing that happens right and it's 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 well done because it's not just the two of them bickering the whole movie it's just the two of them kind of snapping at each other every once in a while and then more plot. So it's not like just two characters fighting the whole movie. You don't really have to worry about that, but you can tell like there's some visible tension between the two of them because of course there is. Look at what's happened um, because of this date they went on. The juxtaposition of the two of them as characters is fascinating and it works great for the actor and the actress. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya's character Slim, yeah, like you said, he's religious. He doesn't drink. He plays by the rules like, and he's just trying to get by. He goes to black-owned businesses. He's not ever... He, I mean, he doesn't... He He's He's living his life as best he can. Meanwhile, uh, Jodie Turner-Smith plays Queen. She is an attorney and she's working it out, man. And she's like in the legal system and she's fighting for justice. But she's also very closed off and she's she's alone. It's so great when you get to kind of the, the big scene at, at about 10 minutes in when they get pulled over. Because as soon as this cop whips his gun out, man, like it, it, it just ratchets up tension and it's so great because daniel kaluuya he gets this look on his face that sells it so good dude of like this absolute horror and like what you see is unfolding and what you think is going to happen meanwhile jody turner smith gets out of the car and she's yelling at this cop put that away i'm filming you stop that don't do that and like the two of them have this totally opposite reaction to this situation. And then when they end up stuck in the car together and now they have to figure out what the hell they're going to do, you get so much opportunity for them to bounce off each other and play and, and, and just, I don't know, interact together in this unique space. And Kaluuya is fantastic. He's always been fantastic. <laughs> like mm-hmm. he doesn't, I don't think he has everything. an Oscar yet, but like, it seems like he's inevitably going to get one 
Jodie Turner-Smith, I looked her up on IMDb. This is her first big picture. She has done some things. She's been in a couple episodes of TV. She's been on some small roles in movies, nothing even like a side character. And now she is thrust front and center here. And she's really good because I think as an actress, she has to slide into a role of a woman who's very reserved and quiet and uncomfortable in her space, which works great for a first-time actress. She's able to kind of channel that in really well. And the two of them just do such a good job of interacting, creating this chemistry that whenever things finally start to boil over and they really start to develop some affection towards each other, you can totally understand why. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, there's so, there's so much going right uh, in, in this film with our, our characters. I wanted to talk about the, the score for a little bit. Yeah. Um, this, the, the music behind this is, is really good and really complements what, what's happening. Um, like I said, it's a road trip movie in a lot of ways, and they're in the car a lot. And so you get a lot of kind of road tunes or music just kind of appropriate to being uh, on the road. And there's, I mean, there's shots, there's so many shots of the car that I remember there, there was one where it's like a, a, a camera is mounted to the, to the rear of the car. And they just, you, you hear an argument happen uh, between them while, while they're driving um, along, along with the music, but the, the music is a big part of, of this film and really a- adds a lot to it. Yeah, and I wanted to mention the lighting as well. I already said the directing's fantastic. Uh, Melissa Matsukas does a fantastic job of putting this movie together. It is so well-paced. It is a little long, I agree, but that's a very small complaint in a very large film full of big ideas. Um, But the lighting in this movie is tremendous. The editing is great, too. You can see in the trailer if you're watching on Facebook, but uh, just, just as a... A frank aside, um, at least from what I know in lighting and film, it is notoriously difficult to light dark skin. It is very hard to do and do it well and make it like bounce off with other lights. You got to use special gels and dude, you got to do all kinds of stuff to make it work. And this movie does it in spades. It is like a freaking card flourish of great lighting in a movie. You can see what's going on if you're watching it on screen. Like it's such, it's got these like rich, dark tones and great colors that make like, I don't know, man. It just, it brings it off screen in a really, really fantastic way. And it's so well put together. I looked at this movie next to something like, I don't know, Thelma and Louise or even something like, like 2018's Green Mile. Or was it Green Mile Green, Green Book. Green Book. Green Book. That's it. Uh, and <laughs> I thought the same thing. Dude, just two totally different worlds of filmmaking. And this is so much better. And it feels so sincere. It feels so much more down to earth because it's a smaller picture. But like, man, it really gave them the opportunity to kind of just get into the weeds and pull out something really fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, it, it really reminded me of, of Green Book uh, just because it was another road movie. But how how much deeper it tapped on a lot of issues and some other kind of themes, which I wanted to, to get into. Uh, there's two big things that's, that stand out to me. One is this theme of family and the other of, of like legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and the, so both of our characters have very different uh, family lives. Uh, Slim comes from a very kind of, a uh, good household. He has, you know, mother, father at home. He's very close with his, with his parents. The first thing he wants to do is go go home to his his parents' house. He wants to kind of hide out there, and, and she has to tell him you, you can't do that. Um, Queen, on the other hand, is kind of in the opposite realm. She comes from a very uh, rough family background. Uh, she, uh, she doesn't have uh, her father's not around. Her mother's not around. She they they go to her. Her her uncle, who's a pimp, who's very abusive, but he's kind of the only person that she can go to in in this time. And so they they come from 
very, very different uh, families. But that's one of the themes that we see in this movie is of, of family and where you come from and your roots and where, where you're going and the kind of the family uh, you create. So that, that's a really powerful theme throughout the movie. Yeah. And, and on, you mentioned legacy already, but that one really stood out to me as well, especially because of where the film inevitably heads. Uh, you'll have to watch it to find out more about that. But there's some great, like a lot of these moments are really highlighted in, in their stops when, when they stop to fix things. A uh, great example, uh, one, one of the cars there and at one point the radiator blows and they have to pull over in a town. And they pull over this little shop with a mechanic who's helping them out. And the, and the mechanic knows who they are, but doesn't turn them in. And he says, I think what you did was wrong, but I'm not going to stop you. Which is one of many reactions that people have to Queen and Slim throughout the film. They're, they're, they're like radioactive after this nationwide manhunt has kicked off for them. Um, but the mechanic's son knows who they are and admires them. He's seen them. He's, he's seen what they've done. He saw the video and he thinks they're in the right. In fact, he's going to a protest later just about them. And just meeting them affects this character in a way that directly, directly affects his following actions the next day, which sets off a whole other chain of reactions. And there's this wonderful kind of butterfly effect thing happening as these characters travel across the country. This is one small example, but I love this idea of like a growing movement, especially when... You don't necessarily want that for yourself um, because that's something these characters have to face. Like, what is happening out here and are we okay with it? And is there anything we can do about it? And ultimately, I think they kind of decide that, um, well, you'll have to watch it and find out, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, well, I was going to say that, um, I forget that character's name, but but kind of the boy that, that meets them and, and is really inspired by them. He has this great line where he says, you know, it's going to be okay even if it's not, it's still going to be okay. And they're like, well, what do you mean? They're like, you know, even if they don't make it, you know, they've still inspired people. They've still, they're going to be immortalized. They take this picture in front of the, um, the, like the, the car shop, um, that, that eventually becomes uh, iconic and gets spread around. But there's, like I said, these ideas of legacy of immortality of that, you know, you're going to live on long past whatever happens, even if what happens is bad. And so, like I said, this, this idea of legacy and, and future is really important and, and really well done. Like, and this is one of the things I love about film when they have strong themes that you can kind of follow and see throughout uh, the whole film. Mm-hmm. Queen and Slim is available on HBO Max. Uh, any other thoughts before recommendations? I'm ready. Andy, would you recommend Queen and Slim? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's really a powerful film that touches on a lot of current topics. Definitely some content warning things. Look, feel free to look those up. Um, but incredible performances, good score, really great movie. I'm, I'm sad I missed it at the, at the time because I remember seeing uh, trailers and things for it. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Two thumbs way up. This movie is super good. Um, I wish I'd seen it last year. Yeah, I wish I'd seen it sooner. Um, I'm excited to see what Melissa Mitsukas does next. I, I looked up the light. I, I, I looked up the gaffer in this movie and the editor. I want to know what they're doing next. Like it just <laughs> felt like it just felt like such a passion project, you know. And it's rare that a movie comes along that feels that way, where it just feels so sincere and just feels like such an intimate story that you get to be a part of. Uh, it reminds me of something like. Um, I don't know, the Florida project. It's just, it's, it's, it's good. It's a real good flick. It's on HBO max. You should absolutely go check it out. Do not pass go, do not collect $200. <laughs> and with that, we should probably talk about this weekend. Andy, do you want to please take the summary on this whole thing? <laughs> it's time for the death of cinema. Uh, so 
<laughs> this week we're going to be talking about DC Fandom, which was a big uh, online fan conference thing uh, that happened the, the, where there were lots of trailers, there were um, panels, lots of news, lots of new things happening in the DC universe, both in film, video games, comics, the whole thing. So it was pretty exciting. We got to see a lot of cool things. And uh, I'll kick it off with the the first thing that, that kind of came out was the new trailer for Wonder Woman 1984. Mm-hmm. And what we got to see a lot more of this film. We get to see uh, Diana and Trevor. We we don't really get a lot of hit of the plot that's going on, other than um, oh, I can't remember the the actor who who plays the Chris Pine. No, Wig. <laughs> Sorry, oh, I'll, come, I'll come to it. It's it's he's like he's from Narcos and he plays like the greasy. Uh, Pedro Pascal. Thank you, Pedro Pascal. Yeah. Uh, so he plays a character called Max Lord, and I know that he's one of the big bad guys in here, uh, along with Kristen Wiig, who is Cheetah, uh, who's one of Wonder Woman's uh, arch nemesis from a really long time ago. But we finally get to see her. We get to see her kind of doing some super villain stuff and in full like Cheetah get up. Uh, so that's pr- pretty exciting. Uh, this was a cool trailer. We don't really learn a lot more about the movie, but it did have a lot of really cool visuals. Um, and I'm pretty stoked for it. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, I'm excited too. I, this was one that I was bummed got pushed back because Wonder Woman was so much fun just a few, just a couple years ago when it came out. And now this is a great look at what's coming. It's a great way to get people excited again. I know that's a lot of what was happening at DC Fandom. I like being able to see Cheetah and what's going on there because <laughs> the way they made the man, there were, there were like articles coming out saying like nobody could take photos on set and like nobody could leak what this costume looked like. And the way they made it sound made it sound like it was going to be almost cheesy like it just looked bad but it looks okay in this like it's not great but i mean it works it doesn't look any goofier than wonder woman's like golden helmet outfit thing um so it sells and as long as the characters work then it works so i'm excited about wonder woman i think it'll be a nice return to uh, the cinema and i love the uh I-, I love the i love the new posters and stuff the look of it's really cool the 80s theme yeah they, they're, they're leaning into. really hard in, into that uh th- that's a, a lot of fun stuff yeah um the next thing that that we had or that was a big deal was a sneak peek at the suicide squad which is the sequel to uh the original suicide squad film uh from several years ago uh this new one is going to be helmed by james gunn and this wasn't a trailer this wasn't anything that, that we saw um new film footage it was mostly behind the scenes shots it was uh some interviews with the cast and crew and with james gunn and so we got to peek a little bit of stuff first of all there's gonna be a ton of characters many of which i have not uh ever heard of uh things like um what is it king shark blood sport black guard uh savant peacemaker weasel there's there's a video that you can watch that has the rundown of these and it's really funny because there's literally a guy who's like a a weasel (laughs) and it's um but like i said unfortunately we didn't really get to see what the movie itself is going to be like but it's definitely going to have a lot of action it has a little bit different look margot robbie doesn't look like a 15 year old anymore she's got a much better uh costume and some cool stuff yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm glad this is a featurette. I should say it's a little bit of an insider look before we just get like a flat trailer for the public, which is probably smart. I'm so excited to see how they're going to market this thing because 
It's not even Suicide Squad 2 or Suicide Squad with like a goofy subtitle. It's just the Suicide Squad. And there are going to be people out there who I promise are going to look at this movie and think, I went and saw that a couple years ago. I've already seen that movie. They must be re-releasing it. That can't be a new film. So I don't know how they're going to distance themselves from what already came before and say this is a new thing. But this is a good start. The characters are interesting. I like that James Gunn is at the helm for this. Obviously, he had some success with the Guardians of the Galaxy series. So I want to see what he's doing over here i don't know man like i like i like margot robbie's harley quinn a lot she's really passionate about the role i think a lot of people that are working in the dc universe are really passionate about their roles there's a lot of potential just like everything that's going on dc fandom oh man it looks like it could be so good it also looks like it might be terrible but for what it's worth (laughs) i'm stoked about suicide squad i do want to see more yeah, it, it, it looks like a completely different kind of movie. There's lots of star power in it. Uh, you know, John Cena's in it, um, as well as returning favorites like Margot Robbie, of course, Jai, Jai Courtney. Joel Kinnaman, who I could not believe is in this movie again. But, <laughs> yeah, still going. You know. So it seems like the, they might be able to save uh, that property. Mm-hmm. Um, what do we have next, Zach? Uh, the next thing we have to talk about is the new trailer for Zack Snyder's Justice League which is in four by three if you're watching on Facebook and I'm not sure why, but this is the official release. So if I think we've talked about it already, right? This was not a DC fandom announcement. Zack Snyder is having the opportunity to create the Zack Snyder cut, the fabled recut of the Justice League that was his original vision before he left the project back when they were filming and, and Joss Whedon took over to turn out the film that we got. Originally, Zack Snyder claimed that his Justice League was going to be four hours long. It was going to be the most epic comic book movie you've ever seen in your whole freaking life. And then about halfway through, well... I should say about two-thirds of the way through production, he had to leave the project for personal reasons. Joss Whedon came on, turned the whole thing around, flipped it inside out, like reshot half the movie, and turned out the two-hour film that we got that nobody liked. So, (laughs) Zack Snyder has had the opportunity, after fan petitions and all kinds of stuff, to come back to Warner Brothers, revisit the project, take all the stuff he shot, and actually finish it with CGI, which I can't believe, and put it out for the world in a four-hour film cut. So we got some details about this uh i feel like i've been talking a lot but just to wrap it up real quick it will be coming to hbo max in a four-hour cut and also as an option in four one-hour parts so you can watch it as like a four-night special kind of thing which i think may be a better way to deliver the film but in this trailer andy what are we seeing because i'm gonna be honest as seeing justice league once it just kind of looks like the same movie well that that was a a famous tweet that that kind of went viral where someone uh commented that this looks like the same movie or this looks like the same footage um and that's not entirely wrong i I mean there's definitely a little bit of a different look uh it's dark you know back to the Zack snyder everything's got to be dark and gray and black and and grim um but at the end of the day it's like it's still the same movie so like i like you can't like they didn't go back and reshoot anything like you can't wildly change it you know and i don't think making it making a mediocre movie four hours is gonna really make it that much better so i don't really know there there are some cool cool things some visuals it looks like there's some you know flash stuff a time storm or something like that we get to see batman in in the black suit which is traditionally what he comes back in after he's he's killed in death of superman saga so there's some cool stuff like that but like if you're not a comic book aficionado like most of this stuff like is gonna like it's all it will all look the same to you right i'm i'm so interested to see what happens in this movie because like justice league joss whedon cut is is like 
it's real bad, man. It's real bad. <laughs> uh, it's like notoriously it's, it's bad. So if you long seen too. It. It's just yeah, it drags forever, and like this is only going to be longer. This is going to be double the length. So to me, how like one, where'd they get the money to come back and finish this movie? Two. How is it going to be any better, even if it's longer? Three, they didn't reshoot anything. So what is in there that's going to make the stuff we already saw even better? And four, how much of Joss Whedon's footage is going to be in there? Which, as far as I know, Zack Snyder says, like, pretty much none. He says he's pretty much just thrown out anything Joss Whedon shot and isn't using it, I think. So I don't know, like, what they're cobbling together over there. What kind of, like, Frankenstein of a movie this is going to be. But I'm excited to see it. Like, I there's going to be more cyborg stuff. There's this black Superman costume that has something going on. Like, I don't know, man. If anything, I think I love the idea of the four one-hour parts to watch this on HBO. Because I think that will pace it way better than trying to watch it all in one go. Then it's like little, I don't know, like a little mini series or something with really high production value and really great actors. So there's some potential here. There really is. Um, we're just going to have to see what happens, I guess. Yeah, the- We'll see where it comes. I'm, I mean, we're gonna watch it. It may be the only thing we watch that week because it's four hours. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I mean, we'll we'll see what what happens. I am not super hopeful, and I and I'm a huge DC fan. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I did want to ask about uh, before we move on to the final trailer here, uh, what is the deal with Black Adam? Because I don't really know, and I couldn't really figure it out. That's right. So Black Adam is a villain or antihero in the DC universe, uh, particularly in the Shazam verse. He's he right. Kind of, Un- unrelated to Justice League. I should have clarified. Right. This is, yes. This is yeah. a different project. Yeah. Yes. And uh, this hero slash villain w- was slated to be played by Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Mm. Not, but like six or seven years ago, like a pretty long time, he's supposed to have been. Uh, playing this character and it we thought maybe he was going to show up in Shazam he didn't uh, he's also not going to be in the Shazam sequel but he looks like he is getting his own movie there was this kind of animated teaser that um, that that was shown it was a little underwhelming because it was just a voiceover by the rock but it didn't really show anything it just kind of showed this ancient Egyptian city and uh, you know, Black Adam rose and took down a bad guy, but then was in prison, something like that. Like, it, we don't really get a lot. We did get a logo. We do know that this movie is moving forward and supposed to come out at some point. Yeah, and they, rather than have any, like, actual footage, they just had, like, art, like, really nice art made of, like, Black Adam and Dwayne the John- Dwayne Johnson as, as the character. But it's, like... I don't know, after effects together. So it kind of moves and it looks like he's roaring, but like, it's just art. And it's like, that's not actual footage. Like you haven't shown us anything. So that was kind of weird. Um, is that character a hero? I yeah. guess he's a villain, right? That's the whole, yeah, thing. I mean, he, he, he's essentially, yeah, he's, he's a villain. Generally he's on the bad guy's sides when he shows up. Um, you know, I, I'm not real certain what his specific, uh, story arc is because he he generally just shows up with like a bunch of the rest of the bad guys, uh, you know. So like I okay. like I don't know his 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 mythology, but I just know that he will show up in in the uh, in the DC or kind of in the Shazam verse. And he I think at one point he was kind of the chosen person, the person that Shazam is now kind of taken over. Um, right. So they're going to be equals. Yeah, I feel like there was a line in Shazam about. Um, what is it? The old guy who gave him his power said like there was somebody before you, but he wasn't the chosen one. Yeah, you, like, you see, you see, and I think they show it just like because he's showing like a hologram of the past, and there's like a glimpse of Black Adam. Right, 
big, big lightning bolt on the chest thing, just like Shazam. That's like the whole deal. So, you know, this presents some issues with the DC universe as it stands, because how do you bring the world of like David Ayer's Shazam into Zack Snyder's Justice League? And also there's the Suicide Squad thing happening over here with James Gunn. And then there's Wonder Woman happening over here. Like, you start to wonder how it's all going to come together. Not to mention Todd Phillips' Joker, which, like, I mean, was huge when it came out. So I don't know what how that's all going to tie together. So maybe this is where this, like, multiverse with The Flash can start to answer some questions. But I do, I do wonder if it's too big for one film to tackle. Well, you know I don't I mean? think they're necessarily trying to build... Uh like a, a greater DCEU, like the way the the Marvel universe is. I think that they're essentially going to be separate projects largely. And if they can overlap them, sometimes they will, but I don't think they're going to try to be as integrated as, as Marvel has. Now, now Superman appears at the end of Shazam. That's so true. That means technically that's within the world of Wonder Woman, which also falls within the, like it kind of goes together. I don't know. I, you know what? They can work some movie magic and work it out as long as it's better. Than Justice League, I guess. Um, it'll be fine. We need to talk about one more trailer. Before we do, I keep forgetting to ask you about this. Andy, any hot takes on Ezra Miller's goofy running as the Flash <laughs> in Justice League? He does like the swimming thing. Like, you know what I'm talking I haven't about? Really, no, I haven't really thought about it. Um, I, Somebody I like pointed it. out in a Reddit thread the other day, and I was like, oh, God, I never actually noticed. <laughs> no, so I, I don't want to see it now. I was going to say now I'm not going to be able to unsee it now. Yeah, if I watch, but I mean, the Flash is a huge character. You know, he they he should easily have a billion dollar movie. I mean, he's that big of a character, and you could get get some really cool scenes. Yeah. He he has, uh, you know, tragic backstory. So there's potential there, but we'll we'll see how DC hand, handles it. I agree. If Green Lantern can get his own movie, the Flash needs his own movie. Like hand hand over fist. Speaking of of big budget properties, we have one more trailer we need to talk about. We put it off this whole time. I'm so excited to get into it, Andy. Please. It's like it's its own movie. Take it away. The Batman. So what is happening in the Batman trailer? <laughs> okay. So uh, we finally get a glimpse of of the new Batman played by uh, Robert Pattinson. And it opens up in uh, someone has killed someone and has left a note for the Batman and we see finally Batman show up and this looks like a mystery uh several mysteries and um which points to dun 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 the Riddler being uh the big bad guy and uh this movie is super dark if as if Batman couldn't get any darker but it it it's very grim it it has to look a lot of people have compared it to 7 uh the mm-hmm. kind of psychological thriller from from the 90s with brad pitt and morgan freeman it's like seven meets batman because batman's trying to he's gonna have to solve this mystery um people are being killed and someone is writing to the batman to get his his attention so we we see this kind of setup we see a a grim gotham we see uh um, jeffrey wright as james gordon uh, which is gonna a big change we also get to see a couple of our villains we see a Catwoman, who's played by not Saucy Beats, uh, Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz, thank you. I knew I knew it was a Z word. And then we briefly see the Penguin, played by an unrecognizable uh, Colin Farrell. Yeah, dude, I've looked at screenshots of that Penguin shot because it's only in there for like a second. It, it, I still can't see Colin Farrell in there. Like the makeup is so like I guess put together, you just don't even see it. This movie looks so cool. 
<laughs> this movie looks so cool. And the more I see the trailer, the more excited I get, which is why I should probably stop watching it and, you know, just wait and see as it comes. <laughs> but man, like this just mega dark, like very quiet adaptation of, hey, here's how we think Batman could go is fascinating. It's like Batman horror, which is perfect because we haven't really seen that yet. I love this idea of the Riddler being this like crazed lunatic or or assuming this even is the Riddler and not some other Batman villain framing the Riddler. Like we really don't know. That's part of the charm of Batman. Pattinson looks awesome. I know he's a slim dude, but man, in the Batman suit, he just looks so imposing. Like they have crammed so much like armor onto him. (laughs) He comes out with just this huge silhouette of a figure that comes off totally Batman. And there's one great shot of him beating the hell out of some poor poor guy and it just looks like anger dude like there's no there's a little bit of like jujitsu fighting technique and a whole lot of just super mad punching and like that's (laughs) good stuff that's some good old-fashioned batman i can get into it what do you think it's a different it's definitely a different kind of batman which is hard to do because we get a lot of Batman <laughs> movies, yeah. and so it's it's hard to kind of reinvent how you're gonna do the the character, and and the look is very different. He looks like he put together the suit in a garage, you know, as opposed to a fancy R and D department like in the the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, so it, it's a much more kind of grounded look. The the Batmobile it, it looks like a muscle car, you know. It's it's very different from from other films, and like I said, the 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 tone of it is. It, it, I mean, it's kind of like you said, it's horror, which hasn't really been tied in, tied into the film before. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see where this goes. People say, of course, Pattinson looks like emo Batman. Sure, you call it what you want. The way I see it, he's two years into being the Cape Crusade. All right, he's got a lot to learn. He's a young guy. He's figuring it out. I love the look of Gotham. There's just a couple of exterior shots. You don't get a whole lot, but there's a whole lot of like this old Gothic architecture, gargoyles and stuff. The kind of stuff Tim Burton was doing back in the 80s that we did, we have not seen in the Christopher Nolan stuff. I love these gangsters with the goofy face paint on. And what's most interesting about all of this is this movie is not done shooting. They shut down for COVID. According to the director, they've only shot like 25 to 30% of this picture, which means they produced a trailer for a film, or at least a teaser, with only 30% of the film actually shot. So I don't, I mean, it's not even linear what we're seeing. We're just getting raw images of what's happening and it's fascinating. I can't wait to see more. <laughs> like This is such a great tease. I love the car. I like the new Batman. I, I like a couple of the shots in the air. Um, man, I'm, I'm really interested in the Batman. It seems the longer that we make comic book movies, the closer and closer they get to how the comics are written. Because if, if you re- like, if you read the ongoing Batman series, man, it is dark stuff sometimes. Yeah. And, and you know, DC's black labels, even more kind of uh, adult as well. Um, so like I said, the longer things go, the less we get away from like campy, film versions to what what you would read in in the comic book and it's it's really exciting yeah i love the ending by the way with the date uh 2021 but instead of twos they use question marks it's a great way of saying hey this will be out in 2021 we think i mean given the state of the world it's almost like an in joke at your audience like it will likely be out then it's a good it's a great way of questioning that and and saying hey we we are aware of the situation it also has a slate at the end that says only in theaters currently in production to let people know we are still making this thing. <laughs> it is not done. It is not in a place where we can release it. It's not even like Snyder Cut at this point. Um, I'm so fascinated by this movie. I can't wait to see more. I can't believe there's a trailer out. I can't. 
I don't know. Yeah, after I'm all stumped. this time. <laughs> yes. They just put a trailer out with DC fandom. We can't even get freaking Black Adam footage, but we get 30% of what's shot of the Batman, and it looks awesome. So we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, with the Batman. We will be talking about it on this show, by God. I'm excited about it. I'm stoked about the Batman. That, that's got to be the highlight for DC fandom <laughs> for me. Yeah, same here. Yeah. And and just to kind of wrap the event, because this is probably the longest Death of Cinema segment we've ever done. It's got to be. Um, what do you think of it as a whole? Because I've never done this, right? DC usually does paid in-person events. This one, they said it's free, it's online, anybody can check it out. What do you think? I think it's fun. I think they actually, uh, there was too much, uh, it's hard to say, there was too much of a good thing. Like, we couldn't focus on the Batman trailer because there were like five other trailers. We couldn't, and I I felt like it, it kind of kills the hype. Like, you can't get hyped about, you can't get hyped and talk about Wonder Woman 1984 for a few days because you got a, a bunch of other trailers. So I think it was almost like too much of a good time. But that's kind of what happens at these things. Like even at like San Diego Comic Con, you're going to get a lot of big trailers over a few days. But it was a lot to get them all in one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really was. Uh, I went and saw Inception the day this was all happening. So I was in the theater for three hours. So I got out and hopped on Twitter and was like, oh man, look at all the cool news. Um, I imagine just kind of getting it as it comes is probably a bit of a hassle. I, I, they had some kind of live stream, right? You could tune into and, and watch the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, like I said, there were panels uh, with the director and, and other people that, that you could wa- uh, watch for the various films and games and other things happening. Yeah, and that was... Something I, I uh, something else that really excited me about the Batman. Apparently, the director is, is super stoked about it and just all positive. There was no there was no like eh, I don't know we're still gonna work it out or we're still figuring this out or there was no like hesitation. It was just all positivity. So I'm really excited to see where they go with it. But that being said, speaking of things that are coming up, we need to talk about a movie we watched and then something that happened before a movie you watched that I'm more excited about than the movie we actually watched, but it's fine. Andy (laughs) you're speaking in riddles (laughs) I guess we need to talk about Tenet right at least what you saw of it that's right please set the stage for people how did you see this thing so before I I went and saw Inception the 10 year anniversary one of my favorite movies of all time um, in the IMAX uh, here in here in Dallas and before the film there was a prologue of Tenet which I've completely forgot about which is of course Christopher Nolan's next uh, sci-fi mind-bending film and there was, like I said, there was a preview of Tenet, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I completely forgot." Um, and I'm not, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to go into it. But if you think of Christopher Nolan's other big films, uh, he's known for his intros. If you think of the bank robbery in, in The Dark Knight, if you think of uh, the Dream Heist in Inception, if you think of in The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, kind of the plane uh, battle or plane heist with Bane. Uh, he Christopher Nolan is known for for having really great intros to really grab uh, the viewer, and so that's what we we also get in in this. We we get about five minutes of, of footage. It's it's kind of a rescue mission. John David Washington looks like he's he's part of some sort of like undercover kind of CIA a group, uh, and he's with a group of guys, and they kind of have to go in and rescue. And a lot of the footage was from the things that we've seen in the trailer. So it wasn't wildly different, but some of the things that we got were just uh, lots of action, lots of drama, lots of reality. Like Christopher Nolan is so good at making things look real. Um, and we also got a sense of scale. Cause one of the things he does is, you know, if he needs a hundred, 200, 500 extras, he'll get 500 extras to do what he needs to do. 
And yeah, so, you will. And so, you know, I'm, uh, if you think of the the big parade scene in in The Dark Knight where people start shooting and the per- everyone in the parade just spreads out and runs and it's a huge, you know, there's like a thousand extras and they all run in different directions. So we get a scene that's kind of like that, which if you've seen the trailer, there's like kind of a big assembly uh, sequence. Um, and so that's kind of what, what's in the film. And there's that whole, everyone in that stadium or in that assembly center is used and like kind of like he has some big set pieces where he had to coordinate several hundred people. Um, really cool stuff. No, no details on story. Um, you know, the, the, there's a, a little bit of uh, some some backwardsness, <laughs> for lack of a, of a better term. Okay. Um, a, a hint at the score, you know, because this is, uh, you know, it's, Hans, yeah. it's Zimmer again, but it, it's very different. It, it's not like Inception. It's not like The Dark Knight, but it, it's still kind of, it's very minimalistic. Uh, I, I So I was super stoked that I got to see this before um, Inception. And then it went kind of into a trailer uh, that we've already seen a lot of the footage of. Right. So you pretty much answered most of the questions I have, but I just want to recap. So it's about five minutes, you said? Yeah. All right. Uh, we got any Robert Pattinson in this thing? I know John David Washington's in there. No, no Robert Pattinson. All right. Uh, you think it was the, you know, it was the opening of the film? I don't know that it that it was the opening of the film. It, it I mean, was... I heard it basically is, so I'm sure that's probably what you saw, but... Mm-hmm. It just kind of opened flat. All right. Uh, Good action, you said. And a little bit of this inversion stuff featured in the trailer. Yeah. So, you know, Christopher Nolan does great action. He does big. He does over the top. He uses a lot of people. Um, So we we definitely got a lot of that. We got size of scale. You know, we we have, uh, you know guns shooting explosions uh those good things and like i said in inversion there's something about time running backwards we see a little bit of that in the in the prologue yeah i think that's what's so uncanny about this movie is is that effect because it just looks so uncanny uh to, to to use a word um it's such a cool looking effect that most of us haven't seen before you know similar like inception which we'll talk about in a second um when we start to shift a city back onto itself you know and fold things over and use mirrors like you just get the coolest visuals uh, from a nolan picture with that imagination and that's what i'm most excited about um so yeah I guess I guess that that covers it. You actually did a great job of summarizing anything anything I had to talk about. So uh, right. I guess we're going to see that soon. We'll talk about it after we're done talking about Inception. For now, let's get to the main event. Andy, please take it away. Inception. There's one thing you should know about me. I specialize in a very specific type of security. Subconscious security. You're talking about dreams? So this is one of my favorite movies of, of all time. Um, I saw this three times when it first came out in the in theater. Um, within like two weeks, or maybe it was a week, I saw it with different people on each time. But I was so excited about this movie, um, and it was funny because I was trying to think through my uh, summary, and I was like, you know, this movie's kind of spoiler free. It's really hard to explain what's happening. Yeah, you know, like you could you could give someone a spoiler, and it wouldn't make any sense without lots of other context. But I'll, I'm going to do my best. So this is essentially a heist film uh, starring uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. 
who is a kind of a mind thief and he's he's known as an, an extractor and what he does he goes into someone's mind and pulls out secrets this is generally used for things like corporate uh espionage um he is in a lot of trouble and cannot get home to the states he meets a very powerful businessman played by ken Watanabe named saito who offers him a way home but he has to do something called inception and inception is the opposite of what he does if extraction is taking ideas and stealing them inception is implanting them um and he's told or we are told as the audience that this is not possible to do you can't place an idea because someone already always knows where it's from they'll they'll know that they got it from somewhere else but Cobb um Leonardo DiCaprio's uh <laughs> character assures us that it can be done and so he pulls together a team starring uh Joseph Gordon-Levitt Ellen Page Tom Hardy and others to pull off this heist and and their whole um goal is to get the the heir to this uh, energy magnate or energy company to break up his father's empire and to do this they're going to have to go into the world of dreams dreams within dreams and do all this really complicated things to make this happen the plot is so convoluted i don't want to get too much in into the weeds but it's about dreams it's about going into people's minds it's about what you bring into that all while being a, a heist film um at, at its core with a really great cast uh this was a huge huge uh success when it came out um me had classic memes as before uh whenever most of our memes were on youtube uh to begin with and uh man it's just one of my favorite films of all time incredible special effects uh it it brought it changed scores uh film scores like it 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 brought about modern film scores we have what we have now because of hans zimmer blaring uh, pedal C's with I, I saw a special where he used he had to hire like eight bass trombones five tubas like it was just like an absurd amount of brass I loved it yeah um man where where does one start talking about inception I think I think you did a great job with the brief summary you're right at some point you can't even really explain what's happening <laughs> in this movie I mean you can it's not like it's not like 2001 a space odyssey complex but like the layers of storytelling and and visual fidelity and effects and action and and what's happening in this movie is incredibly complicated there's like infographics out there that are like primer level versions of complicated of like how things layer on top of one another and how a kick will accelerate from the third level of a dream to the second to the first and carry characters out of it if you've never seen inception a lot of this will sound very confusing to you so in the most brief of reviews if you haven't seen it Go see Inception. It's great. So if you have seen Inception, we can move on. <laughs> uh, this movie, like watching it again, I, I had seen this movie in about, I told Christine, probably five or six years. And when I saw it uh, for the first time, like I said last week on the show, I went and saw it three more times while it was in theaters because it was so good. And I was like, oh my God, this movie blew my mind. Watching this movie again, it, it reminds me of like, almost like a magic show right like i feel like so many movies you'll go see and there will be a couple of cool tricks or features or something in it that's like a magic trick that you're impressed and you're like how did you do this this is like going to a magic show where for a two and a half hours it is just one after another banger 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 of amazing after amazing trick to layer a story that's so complex <laughs> into such a tight two and a half hour picture 
and make it work that you get to the end and almost like seeing something like the matrix you can't help but want to just turn around and buy a ticket and walk right back into the theater to try to figure out what it was you just saw it is so fascinating it is an ensemble cast it is an amazing tale uh of, of a heist and and deception and inception it's really hard to quantify so when <laughs> yeah. we talk about it please understand if you haven't seen the film we're not intentionally doing a bad job of talking about it but it's just so complex and so interesting and so fantastic that i can't wait to talk about it andy what is the best place to get started here do you want to break down the plot do you want to jump right into characters i mean um i mean gosh it's hard okay well we can start with the plot as much as we we can like i said uh leonardo dicaprio is an extractor he goes into people's dreams and their minds extracts ideas and now he's trying to get home and has to do the opposite uh which is inception we get a, a really the whole first act is is basically p- getting the team together um mm-hmm. he has to find an architect he has to find a thief he has to find an engineer like he has to find these people who do these different jobs in right this this is fundamentally a heist film like it is so you're gathering your crew and then you're doing your heist right and then you got to get out mm-hmm. that's that's your movie yeah the the complex part and the, the, there is a ton of exposition in this film and there has to be um that would maybe be my one small criticism of it but it all it also all pays off everything that has to be explained pays off in spades uh down the road but they do you know just like in a heist film you would have to explain you know the the bank and the the security and how we're going to bypass that you know just like they do in oceans 11 so that kind of has has to happen here the thing is it's 10 times more complex because they're you know like one of the the things is time when you're in the dream world, five what is it? Five minutes in the real world equals an hour in the the dream world. So time is mm-hmm. compounded, and especially they're going to actually do a dream within a dream, so it, it compounds every time. So there's, you know, uh, Chris Nolan, he time is a big theme in all of his his movies, and especially probably none more than this one. But that's just one level of complexity. There's a ton more more elements. You know, things about like how do you wake up? How do you get get out? Like there's all these things. Right. Like, it's really complicated and really complex, but just enough, like, if you got to pay attention, but you can hang on, you know, it's not, it's not primer level where you have no idea. No. Yeah. Pri- primer is like, you could watch it four times, you still wouldn't understand what's happening. So you're right. It's not, it's not quite that complex, but the movie opens with a great sequence. Uh, we are heisting information out of a businessman and we are within a dream. And then once the businessman discovers we're in a dream, played by Ken Watanabe, uh, he discovers outside of that dream, we are also in another dream. So it very quickly establishes this idea of a dream within a dream. You can have a dream where somebody can get into your dreams and take your information, and then they can also put you in another one and layer that. And then that also affects time. And then you get a, like temperature and, and how somebody feels in that dream based on how they are outside of the dream gravity is affected on another level of a dream based on what's happening in the previous one and also reality so you get some really crazy physics uh for our characters to have to experience while also being within tension or action in the middle of this essentially heist this accelerates when we have to create three levels of dream which is primarily where most of the film is happening we're doing a dream within a dream within a dream and we're trying to incept information into somebody instead of take information out we've got a wonderful crew star-studded played by characters like ken watanabe leonardo dicaprio ellen page tom hardy joseph gordon levitt 
uh, Killian Murphy, um, uh, what's his name? Michael Caine is in this movie. Yeah. A lot of the classic Nolan players, <laughs> exactly. as you know them. And a lot of them are playing against type, which is really interesting. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, recently in a video for Vanity Fair, said when he went to meet Christopher Nolan for this role, he hadn't even read the script. He just showed up in a suit and he wanted to just be as cool as possible for Christopher Nolan because he wanted to work with him so bad. And Nolan was like, yeah, you seem like you might be a good fit for this. Great, you're in. Leonardo DiCaprio plays this like actually very vulnerable character, which is not something he normally does, um, who's also trying to lead this heist and this crew. Ellen Page plays this wonderful architect of these dreams who is putting these things together for people and creating these mazes to kind of, I don't know, help, help the subconscious stumble into... It, it gets nuts. And, and the point of it is for two and a half hours, you really have to pay attention and you don't get a lot of character development out of that outside of Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Cobb. He's the only one you really get inside of their head. Everybody else, they're kind of just along for the ride, just like you. And I think that's part of what makes it so fun. It is like a ride, man. It is just one thing after another <laughs> of exciting things. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Like there's... Gosh, there's so, there's so many things I wanted to say. I, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Um, we we do get uh, incredible characters. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is dealing with the death uh, of his wife, and the guilt he has towards her severely affects the job. Um, and w- what I want oh, now remember what I was going to say. Things go wrong right from the beginning, like as soon yeah. as the job starts, and everything is so smooth and cool up until then. And then as soon as they they begin things go off the rails and continue to go off the rails and they have to improvise and you know, they don't have near as much time to do what they need to do and they have to act. And that's, you know, like any good heist film, it doesn't all go uh, according to plan. And that's gives us a, you know, sense of excitement, sense of tension and over like overcomplicates their situation. They have to improvise and, and figure things out a lot. Yeah, and and because it's Christopher Nolan, when something goes wrong in a heist movie, it's not like, oh, somebody's watch is dead or their phone isn't working. A freight train comes barreling through downtown with no rails or, or, yeah, or anywhere for it to be driving, but it's a dream, so it works out. The movie does a great job of slowing you down, at least in the in the the end of the first act and into the second act, and saying, "Okay, hold on, we're going to take our time. We're going to explain Cobb a little bit more and get inside of his head. We're going to explain Ellen Page and the architect. She's kind of the newcomer to the group, and she's the way we are able to learn about how all of this technology works. That it's old, outdated military tech that they're not using it anymore. That these people are using it to heist. Um, she's the way we're able to kind of learn what's happening and get some great." like tutorials in the dream world of how it all works. It reminds me of the matrix when Neo was learning how the matrix works mm-hmm. and like finding out, you know, what's going on. Um, it also doesn't spend a lot of time <laughs> giving characters the ability to flex out of their roles a whole lot. Um, Ellen page very early on finds out, Hey, I don't really like what's happening here. I need to get out of here. And she leaves and Leonardo DiCaprio very quickly explains she'll be back. They always come back. And like one scene later, she comes back and Joseph Gordon-Levitt's like, not surprised. And she's like, me neither. And we move right on. So like <laughs> character, character drama is a little limited in that way because it has to spend so the, much time. There's so many moving of them. you forward through what's happening. Yeah. You don't get a lot of time to learn about people, but you're too busy to care, at least in my experience. I'm too busy learning what's happening, looking at the visuals, trying to figure out how the hell they shot some of this stuff, to care about a script that may not be quite as intimate as you'd hope. Yeah, I mean, I always forget that how long this is. Like, I when I bought my ticket, it said two hours, 40 minutes, and I was like, is it really that long? Because as many times as I've seen it, I'm so engaged the entire time that I forget 
the length. And that's whenever I complain about length of a film, it's because they usually don't have as much material as they've shot as, as they have time for. So it's, yeah, it, it grabs you from beginning to end. Yeah. And what's great about Nolan, um, you know, despite him having very complex imagery in his films, He's a very simple director uh, as far as direct, like actually shooting things goes. He kind of just sets up the camera and shoots. He said in interviews before, he's like, just shoot the thing. Like, just put up the, put up the camera, shoot the shot, move <laughs> on to your next shot. Now, what's happening around that is all complex, but that makes this movie easy to follow visually because you're just kind of with your characters the whole time. You're not really getting into any huge, large corporate ideals or anything. Everything feels intimate that way. But the concepts, what they're doing, turning cities on their heads, going into a dream within a dream, that stuff is really amazing and and leaves a lot of levity for visual fidelity. You get amazing set pieces in this film. Amazing locales. I mean, you're, you're jumping across countries. You've got buildings that turn, in, turn on themselves. You've got hallways that are suspended in the air. So Joseph Gordon-Levitt is flipping through them. I, there, there's some really incredible visual effects happening in this film. Yeah, the creativity is what's really mind-blowing. And it's funny because I've been having this uh, conversation recently that that's really what's lacking from kind of the modern star Wars is nothing is new. Nothing is create. Nothing makes you go, wow, I've never seen that before. And that's exactly what we get in this film is we, Christopher Nolan took all these things, these aspects of dreaming things like, you know, when you, if you feel like you're falling, you, you wake up, he puts that into the dream. He puts lots of things from reality and thinks, how do I recreate this? Um, You know, I think it's really cool how his idea of the subconscious is like, a beach with kind of deserted towns. Like there's this whole thing with water in, in the movie as well, but it's just, it's so incredibly creative. And that's what we frankly just, just don't see sometimes in, in a lot of these big budget films. Yeah. It's, it's really so tremendous and, and, and coming up with ways to suspend your disbelief in the dream and then let you know, Hey, this dream is starting to fall apart because the people in it are realizing what's happening. And we are along for that ride with them makes for some really incredible pieces as well. I mean, we get water cannons shooting like gallon, the hundreds of gallons of water through windows. We get bar like bar scenes in hotels tilting onto their side and extras like having to brace themselves mm-hmm. in their seats, like really incredible stuff happening in this movie. Um, it's, it's like a ma- it's, it's, it's like a masterclass in like incredible filmmaking. Um, and it just feels so sharp. It's weird. People don't talk about this movie more because it's gotta be one of Gotta be one. I mean, top top five heist movies like ever, right? I mean, it's yeah. So... I mean, this was my number two of the, my top ten of the decade. Decade. Yeah, right. And if you're only gonna pick one Nolan film, this is a great place to start. It's weird to think that he made this after Dark Knight, in between Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. Like this was the movie he made. Well, yeah, um, and, and I mean, especially since after Dark Knight, I mean, it's like where do you go? That's a masterpiece. How do you how do you top that? And I think he actually kind of did. In a way, yeah, I think so. It's a shame it's not as remembered, I think, or revered quite as well. But I think culturally, it's just because it's just too complicated. I think a lot of yeah. uh, general audiences were just confused. And we're like, this is weird, <laughs> and I can't really keep up with what's happening. But man, if you're willing to dig deeper, Inception is incredibly rewarding. Absolutely. What, when it, 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 won yeah. for, it won four Academy Awards and was nominated for Best Director and Best Picture. Yeah. On rewatch, I think, uh, some things I observed before we move on to final reviews... Um, I didn't notice how much more of the film kind of lends itself to this idea that maybe the reality we're seeing is a dream too. 
even so much towards the end that uh, Marion Cotillard, who we haven't even mentioned in this review, is a very big part of the movie, straight up says to our character, like, hey, do you think these organizations you've been running from and this kind of, like, constant doom you've been fleeing is very realistic? That seems a little nightmarish to me, you know? I, I didn't notice the train imagery as much. Mm-hmm. I-, I know why it's important in the film and I know why it comes barreling through downtown, but there's a lot more scenes of it that I was completely yeah. aware of. Little flashes and little like quick well, in things. The, in, the, in the opening scene, when it, when they go to get off the, they're on the bullet train and mm-hmm. they go to get off, um, uh, Cobb or Leonardo DiCaprio's character says, I don't like trains. Right. And, and, it, and it's just a, like a fleeting moment, but like you, ha- it's not until you've seen the whole movie that you realize that's a really important, line yeah you don't realize like how sincere that is and why he says it like no no time is wasted in that way in the script which is really effective um i did i did have one more criticism i i meant to to bring up um which this has gotten better but there's definitely not enough women in this film uh it's basically just ellen page has the one really good meaty role and then marion cotillard has an important role as well but they don't really interact so there could have been better representation that's kind of my only gripe uh, looking back Um, because because it is a big you know he's got a big cast of of um you know the the heist team so he, he definitely could have had another woman or two on on board yeah, it's very male male fantasy driven, uh, very much so. I mean, even Leonardo DiCaprio's mentor is played by Michael Caine. That easily could have been a woman. Or uh, Killian Murphy, right? The issue he has with his father that they're really trying to resolve throughout the film could have easily been his mother. But instead, like, it's all shifted to male roles and male perspective, which is, I didn't notice that. You're right. That is really interesting. There are very few women in this film, if any. Mm-hmm. Um that has as a female character and that definitely has improved in in the dark knight rises and uh in interstellar not so much in dunkirk obviously um well because <laughs> yeah Dun- dunkirk it's, it's a war is historical film. right yeah of course like uh, yeah. so yeah. that's fine and then tenet has a, a better cast as well elizabeth uh debicki is in that which uh um, i'm really looking forward to yeah but that, that, yeah. those are my two gripes. There's a little bit too much exposition and there's not enough women. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, if there's anything uh, I, I, I don't like about it looking back, it's there's definitely some plot holes that I hadn't really picked up on before that like looking back, um, for example, in the second level of the dream, uh, they mentioned that gravity is affected by what's happening in the first level. By that logic, technically it should affect the third level too, but it doesn't. And they don't really address that ever. And there's a couple other points that kind of carry through that like if something should affect this side of a dream it should affect that side too but it doesn't and maybe i just haven't worked out the math and yeah you don't get a lot of time for any intimacy with these characters i wonder if there were some cut scenes maybe for time where like hey we get a little bit more time with eames or we get a little bit more time with uh joseph gordon levitt's character um that never really happens so i do love i mean very minor concerns yeah i do love tom hardy's character in this this was the first movie where i really took notice of tom hardy i didn't really know who he was before this um but he's so good he's just kind of the this this sassy british guy he he plays like their their thief um really good good role and then he would of course go on to be bane and now is a huge star right joseph gordon levitt would go on to be uh robin the boy wonder um so small <laughs> yeah. world yeah gordon uh chris Nolan does seem to have kind of his players that he likes like he'll find somebody to stick around for two or three films which is cool or michael kane which he'll put in almost everything i think when possible um so i'm shocked he wasn't in dunkirk but um man My, it's, michael kane's in Dun- dunkirk is he really? 
Yeah, he's what? he's one of the voices on the radio to the pilot. Oh my pilots. god! Of course he is. Yeah. Okay. So he isn't Dunkirk. Yeah. Like I, it's just such a good movie, man, and it's such a great action flick, and like it really should be held up in in high regard to things like The Matrix, because I think it's it's just as like mentally stimulating and visually interesting as that, and it doesn't it doesn't get the same notice, and that's a shame, because um, it's it's so good, man. It's a really really tremendous film absolutely i'm ready for recommendations yeah with that being said andy would you recommend inception absolutely one of my favorite films of all time incredible sci-fi incredible like psychological thriller heist film very emotional at at its core it's it's about a man trying to get home to his children and and get over the the death of, of his wife so we have this really kind of emotional core as well as incredible scenes and uh visual effects you know they had to build a, a lot of this stuff they like the famous uh, there's this, the hallway fight scene is in this r- big rotating uh set that they built so they so that it's not just cgi they they're actually rotating this the the, i don't know how they choreographed that that's amazing dude i i still get goosebumps watching that scene like in the theater i could feel feel my hair standing on end watching like that fight scene in that hallway it's amazing looks so good um so yeah definitely recommend one of my best uh, one of my favorite films of all time yeah, I, I recommend as well 110%. I did a little bit of research for everybody out there. If you haven't seen this movie or it's been a while since you've seen it, it is available on Amazon Prime right now. You can go watch it. Go check this movie out. If you haven't seen it, oh my God, <laughs> you need to go watch Inception. And while we're at it, we saw this in the theater, which is a great time if you have the means to go see Inception in the theater. But if you don't, it's fine. Watch it at home. But it's cinema for cinema's sake. Turn off the phone, turn off the lights, turn up the sound. <laughs> like you're really gonna get into Inception because it's a very you got you gotta be locked in, man, for what's happening. Um, but it's it's real good. Man, Inception's great. I'm so glad we got to talk about it. And I'm so excited to talk about Tenet next week. Oh my god, how did that's, that happen? That's right. So next week we are going to be taking a look at some films in theaters. At our own risk. Uh, we're, we're hopefully <laughs> not going to get sick. But you uh, don't have to worry about that because we'll see it for you. Yeah, it's great. We, we will yeah. continue to be bold and uh, watch these new films. So the first thing that's up is The New Mutants. Finally, Yay! after two and a half years, The New Mutants. I don't believe uh, 20th it. Century Fox's uh, X-Men horror something or other uh, is coming out this Friday. So we're going to be seeing that. Um, and then, of course, we got early tickets to Tenet which is Christopher Nolan's new action sci-fi. Who knows what it's going to be about? We're going to be watching that next Monday uh, just before the show. Uh, I'm, so that's exciting. I, I can't believe there's like Monday tickets. Like, okay, because this, we should have talked about, we should have reported on this better, but I guess we didn't didn't really see it. So uh, Tenet in America, it's coming out the 4th. Naturally, that means it'll be available September 3rd, Thursday night, as early as 7 p.m. to see at any theater that's open and showing it. But also, they're doing three days of early screenings in front of that. So Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, you can get tickets to go see Tenet, and our local theater has it in IMAX. It's already sold out, but they're running it in like five other theaters, and those theaters are almost empty. So we figured, well, what the hell? We'll probably end up going to see it twice, right? Let's just go see it in one. It'll be great. So Monday night, we're going to see it. Tuesday night, we're talking about it on the show. Tenet, before it's even out officially, I don't believe it. It feels like the movies are almost back. Almost, yeah. God, I can't believe we're going to see two movies next week. Good Lord, what are we doing? What's right, happened, yeah. What's happening? And also, while I'm at it, New Mutants, I saw an ad earlier today that was like, in five days, the New Mutants. And I was like, still time to cancel. It, it <laughs> it's still not happening. Yeah, five, oh. five days might as well be five years as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. My God, that movie. 
Anyway, if you enjoyed the, the show today, I should put this on. Boom, Tenant New Mutants. If you enjoyed the show today, if you liked what we were doing, if you liked watching or listening to our script or any of these movies we uh, watched for the show, you can uh, email us, mail at offscriptfilmreview.com, and tell us what you thought. We'll read correspondence on the air, unless it's... No, we'll probably read anything on the air. Uh, you can write us at Facebook. At Facebook. Good God. All right, I'm falling apart. Let me realign myself here. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. And our shows are posted to YouTube as well as the usual podcast outlets every Tuesday after the show comes out and we stream it on Facebook. So follow us there to watch the show live and engage with us. You can uh, follow us anywhere else to get the show right after. Tell us what you've watched recently and we'll talk about it on the show. Watch Tenet or New Mutants safely if you can swing it because that's how we're going to do it. And uh, tune in next week for more of it. And from all of us at Offscript, the home of Bold Cinema, I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for watching.